Welcome to the Mini Crisis, brought to you by the Tales of Crisis podcast. Welcome to episode 11 of the Tales of Crisis, with me, your host, Martin Swaffield, and tonight I'm joined by a different guest, Mr. Anthony Poole. Welcome, Ant. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. New to this uh, channel, so do you want to just give the listeners uh, a brief hobby history, uh, how you got to this point? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I've not really been hobbying very long. Um, when I lived in Derby, I'd moved away from Teesside from all my friends and stuff. Uh, it was just me and my wife living in Derby that I needed to somehow make friends in my 30s. <laughs> and being in Derby, quite close to Nottingham, Warhammer was quite a big thing. Uh, we happened to pop in our shop. Took home a couple of those starter boxes of Stormcast models. Painted them up. Found out it was quite fun, relaxing. And thought, yeah, we'll give this a go. Uh, luckily, we had quite a good local shop near where we lived, uh, Boards and Ho- Swords Hobbies in Derby, where we've been for a few Marvel Crisis Protocol events. And uh, yeah, I got them guys to start teaching me how to play, meet some other people, and played AOS for, I don't know, from when this, the Night Haunt box came out, the Night Haunt Stormcast box was released. I can't remember when that was. Um, and I played pretty much. Four years ago, I think? Yeah, because that was the start some, of two, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the start of two, yeah. So it was it was when that box came out. Um, I got a bunch of night horns, painted all of that up in various schemes, hated it all, so put it all back in a box and uh, did a Sylvan F Army with my wife where we did like a Four Seasons theme, um, played some doubles events and stuff, and that was quite fun. And then I went back to my night horn and Played them pretty solid for two years, uh, taking them up and down events. They were pretty rubbish at that point. So it was kind of a, a journey to try and get three twos and four ones at events, uh, which is quite rewarding when you manage to get them and you've got your zinches on the table blasting everybody away and sometimes pulling off victories against those more powerful uh, factions. And then, um, yeah, lockdown hit and hobby motivation disappeared completely. Started playing on computer games again during that point, but when it started to look like hobby was coming back, some life changes, uh, things had happened between with me and my wife, and we decided we wanted to move back to Teesside. So it seemed like a good time for us to look at another game, and uh, Marvel Crisis, Pro- Crisis Protocol was something I'd always had my mind uh, eye on because I enjoy Marvel, and I thought it was a good gateway game for my non-hobby friends back in Teesside that I might be able to drag some of them in, uh, rather than going to a pub every Friday, we could potentially have some games of protocol, and they wouldn't have to buy any models, but if I owned the, the models, they could come round and we could roll some dice, and it'd be quite fun. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I got into Marvel, and uh, met you guys from the northeast through our friend Simon Rose, and then it's pretty much just spiralled from there, we get plenty of games in, go to events together, and try and get as many games as possible, really. I think we're all a bit obsessed at the moment. Absolutely. 
can't get enough of it either. Um, but yeah, the, the, the beauty of things like WhatsApp. I think Simon was just like, I've got a friend who's coming back to the Northeast. Can he join the WhatsApp group? And we're like, yeah, why not? Um, and then we just all got talking about the same thing and then went to similar events, which has been great. And we've got one coming up quite soon. Yes, um, yeah. Well, we'll be travelling again down to, this time even further south, down to Birmingham. So that'll be fun. It will, it will. Long drive, but it'll be worth it. Absolutely. Uh, so it's a new year, as I'm sure many of you are aware. So this is the first podcast of 2022, um, which means we've got some changes, as, as always is the best way. So first off, Chalmers, who's been the co-host for quite a while, is taking a bit of a, a mini break. Isn't given up completely, but... Uh, won't be on as often as has been in the past. So expect more guests. So if anybody wants to come on the podcast and, and talk Marvel with me, feel free. Been to any events with me, I want to go through those as well. Then, then just let me know and we can set something up. Always looking for, for different guests. I'm starting a Tales of Crisis YouTube channel. So those that maybe have listened to this on YouTube in the past will have noticed that the last three or four episodes haven't gone up so i'm going to create a separate channel i'm going to stick everything up there i'll still send them across to Chalmers to put on the tales of war games channel as well so i'm in two places but based on further news you'll understand why we're, we're having a separate channel a couple of weeks ago we recorded our first battle report for the channel i've had some interesting times shall we say trying to edit said battle report basically done a test sent it out to a few people to get some feedback and over the coming weeks and months i'll be recording more trying to improve it to a point where i'm comfortable to send it out to the public for you guys to to see um, and once it does lots of feedback would be appreciated you need to understand what people are looking for last but by no means least we've started the new year with a new sponsor so we previously were sponsored by blackgate games Still a great store, not falling out with them or anything like that. Um, but we, as many of you regular listeners will know, we spend a lot of time in the bearded card trader, do a lot of events there. And so it just made sense to partner with them. So we are now sponsored by the bearded card trader. So go check them out at thebeardedcardtrader.com. They're on Facebook as well. Uh, great deals. They do a number of things. They, they stock a fair bit of marvel crisis protocol but they do everything from legion to games workshop to to board games and as the name suggests plenty of card games so go check them out we've had some news lots of news in fact but the the more breaking news is grunts so this was revealed start of the year i'm gonna say and there was there had been quite a bit of talk previously around grunts and whether they would ever do it and they had said i think it was on stream or or somewhere that they weren't going to do individual lesser characters shall we say so like minions that it might be like minion models oh is it likes of agents of shield or aim lackeys etc however we now have them in a very limited capacity so what was your first impressions when you heard that these were actually coming out um, so I think like everybody, I was a bit 
uh, wary of having a board flooded with uh, models, particularly having played through a season of the TCS League and it being Sam Spam Central. It was already a bit uh, overwhelming with the amount of models that were on the board sometimes and you were going into seven wide lists, uh, potentially even eight wide lists, depending on how many twos people were taking. But I was quite intrigued by the idea of it, like depending on how they've done it. I think they've got a lot of goodwill um, at the moment, Atomic Mass Games, in that they seem to be doing things right. And I kind of just don't want to build into the, oh my God, this might happen. I'm kind of on the side of, let's just see, because they've done everything else right so far. I'm not going to get negative about them when I've not even seen what's coming. So I was kind of just looking forward to seeing what they were coming and now we've seen them i'm pretty happy with the uh, solution they've come up with yeah i was very similar to yourself i was concerned if there were lots and lots of them flying around the game kind of loses loses a lot of the dynamics of the game and also you know at its core the game is about a load of superheroes throwing things around throwing each other around beating each other up that that's at its core and if you've just got Hulk facing off against 10 Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's not as exciting, is it? No, no. So, on the stream, um, they went through, at a high level, some key points. And I'll quickly cover those. So, the official term for them is grunts, which I think is a great term. They do not cost any threat, and they are part of their parent character. So, this was the good thing. So, you're not going to see lots of them, because they are tied to their parent characters. They're a bit like Magneto's Metal Constructs but they can do a lot more. They have their own stat card, but it's, from what we've seen, quite small. They activate on their parent's activations, and they take their actions before their parent. If parent is KO'd, the grunts are KO'd. The units are specialised, and while some can interact with objects, not all of them can, only one grunt unit can be on the table at any one point. So even if you had multiple parent units, so units that can can go with grunts you can only have a, ever have one grunt unit on the table at once which is you know i think straight away makes everybody go haha you're, yeah, definitely. you're not gonna have the table flooded with them yeah i think that was the, the thing that just really made everybody just kind of calm down on what was coming so yep and they're deployed with their parent at the beginning of the game and i think that's the key thing what the ones we've seen so far have been three models on a single base. We're not talking about a single grunt, even though there's only ever one at a time. It's a group of grunts to rep, you know, represented by a single entity as such. Mm-hmm. So all of that sounded great. And then we got to see some pictures of Nick Fury Jr. with his people jumping out of an imaginary helicarrier and a magic rope. Um, <laughs> and then we saw Daredevil and Electra with their super ninjas. Personally, I was much more interested in the ninjas than the shield agents. I thought the shield agents, that there was just something a bit like I'd loved Nick Jr., but I didn't really like the shield agents. Yeah, I like them both. Um, I think they've done the outfits really nicely for like the shield outfit in general. I just think it looks really nice. It might be the way, I mean, I don't think I'll paint them to that level, but I like that bluey purple. Um, really pops. It's really nice. I think obviously there's a lot of, com- well, not complaints, but like meme stuff going on about the rope and this, that and the other. But I mean, when you read the f- facts, like when you read the transmission about them jumping out of the helicopter, uh, helicarrier. 
Yeah, jumping out the helicarrier to you grab civilians, it kind of makes sense from that perspective. So, I, yeah, I quite like them. Um, definitely be painting them all individually because it'd be a nightmare on one base. <laughs> I might not even put all three on the base because I think maybe a bit more room with the two on would look good, but I do like the models. I think they look cool. Yeah, I think, and like you say, it gives you room to do different things. Mm-hmm. A bit of flexibility, a nice big base for you to play around with. Definitely. So then we saw the cards. So Nick Fury is a four threat, pretty standard, four three four on his defense, medium move, size two, nothing fancy there, six health. Couple of attacks. Key thing for me is his first attack is character gains one power. So it's a guaranteed way to get a power. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second attack is power based on damage dealt. Um, and then his spender is, it's interesting, it's range 3, strength 7, 3 power, um, but after the attack is resolved, an allied shield agent's character, which is the grunts, within 3 of this character may advance short towards the character and then make their attack, essentially. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Uh, so you're essentially playing seven, uh, 3 power um, for a 7 strength attack and then a four strength attack from range three which is uh, it seems like you're getting you know quite a lot from that um considering people are quite happy to do two four attacks with a rapid fire uh so potentially doing a seven attack followed by a four attack for just three power seems worth it absolutely and knowing that the the shield agents activate first and then nick fury goes so Essentially, in one activation, you could get the shield agents doing two pistol attacks, so two strength four at range three. And then if Fury's got six power, he can then do his spender twice. So that's a, a fair bit of dice yeah, coming out from one activation. Yeah, I think when Nick Fury might have been flipped and he's got that bit of power sat there, you could pr- probably nuke a lot of characters down in one activation with Nick Fury at the beginning, at the top of the turn. So if it's your priority, Nick Fury's been dazed, comes back, and he's got this power um, and his grunts, he could potentially just put out a world of hurt. Absolutely. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they play out. And all of that is just for threat. The grunts themselves are not particularly... They're not going to hang around that long. Um, so they are... Two health, medium move, size two, and they are ones across the board. As we mentioned, they've got pistol attack, which is just range three, strength four. What they do have, however, are some interesting special abilities, and, and we'll come to those in a minute. If we finish off Nick Fury, so mm-hmm. he's got two special abilities. So the first one is calling the cavalry, and essentially this for two power means if there's no shield agents on the board, he can place some within three of it. Now, I'm not sure, actually, if I've read this right. So I think previously the thought was that he would be able to start the game and then call them in. But I don't think he does because he starts the game with them on, doesn't he? Yes. Okay, so that makes life a lot easier. So I think when this was first revealed, there were a number of people, myself included, concerned that he would move forward, get these to drop out the sky within three pick up an extract um, and go from there. So when they come down as part of this call in the cavalry, they come down with an activated token. Yes. So they can't come down and then do something. However, 
what they can do is they are able to immediately interact with one extract objective. Mm-hmm. So that will be interesting. So this is going to be in the latter turns where you're going to be looking at, okay, fine, they're going to come down elsewhere. I think it'll be really useful if Fury does dare someone himself who's got an extract. He's got a bit of power. He can then, he doesn't have to move towards an extract. He can get them to come down and pick up an extract. And they're now, although they may drop that extract later when we get to the shield uh, grunts, they have a superpower that helps them still kind of keep the extracts yeah, on well, the side. Well, well, we'll talk about it now then. So as you brought it up, it's Bayou time. And essentially, if the grunts get KO'd or dazed, they, you, the controlling player gets to place the extract. So whereas normally, you know, you would daze somebody and you'd put the extract as near to you as possible. In this instance, if you daze shield agent character, then the controlling player gets to place that, which is massive because it means you can place it much closer to your own people. Yeah, I think it's great because let's say Nick Fury does daze that person, drops one of these guys down, they pick up that extract. Yes, they're probably going to die to the first attack that goes into them, but that means one of their characters is having to waste an attack into them and then potentially move quite far into your territory to then pick that up if they want to go and get it, which is going to leave them in a position where they are vulnerable as opposed to as it is now um, without the grunts nick fury would usually let's say he does the person on the first attack he would have to move up and he's vulnerable so it really keeps fury in a position where of power essentially a lot of the time yeah he's often just going to be quite literally sending his grunts to do his dirty work which is very thematic um yeah 100 percent his last uh, special power is director of shield and this basically means if the grunts are within three of him uh, they may re-roll one of its attack or defense dice and Nick Fury gains one power whenever the allied character deals damage or suffers damage. So Nick Fury is going to be getting power every time the grunts either take some damage or do some damage, which is going to be yeah. great. And he's also giving them a re-roll now. Their defense, as we said, is only one. So uh, that defensive re-roll is not going to be clutched that often, but I think the attack re-roll may well. Four dice with a re-roll. That's not bad for a, a freebie as such. If you're chipping away two damage with that, then you're probably happy. Absolutely. And then the last thing on Nick Fury is he is a leader. So he's a leader of affiliation shield. So it'll be interesting to see who actually fits into that affiliation. I'm assuming Black Widow agent of shield will get in there. Probably Hawkeye. Yeah, you'd think so. Captain America? Don't know. Maybe it just depends on what version of shield they've based it off I guess because obviously he's, yeah, with, you wouldn't say from the film's version it's not he's not a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. No. is he so it depends what version they've pulled yeah. it from we'll be interesting to see which direction they take that but yeah and his leadership is it's quite interesting so it's a if you have fewer victory points than your opponent the first time each round an allied character is dazed or KO'd by enemy effect the effect after it is resolved you score one victory point so this is a bit of an anti-Black Order leadership? Yes, yeah, yeah. Or, or not necessarily anti-Black Order, but reverse Black Order uh, mm-hmm. leadership. And again, it kind of feels a bit Sam Spam-esque, as in, you know, spam lots of characters and, and you'll get... You, you only get the one, 
per turn. So, you know, you're not going to clock yeah, on yeah. loads from it. But it, it's still a good one to have. It stops gaps being built. It yep, keeps you absolutely. in the game if you are losing people. Yep. And then if you've got equal number or more victory points than your opponent, when an enemy character damages an allied character with an attack, the allied character may spend one. If it does, after the attack is resolved, it may advance short towards the attacking character. So, again, this is a bit of a, you know, if you're ahead, you you get to stay ahead. Um, if you're behind, you get a way to try and close the gap. Which I really like. I always kind of think every time I read one of these leaderships, well, what else can they do? Um, and they keep finding different ways to do leadership that is quite unique. It's not like they're just constantly, oh, just re-roll defense dice, re-roll attack dice. Yeah. You know, mine is, they're finding lots of different ways to do it, which I really enjoy. Yeah, I like the fact that it's two parts and it acts different depending on how the game's going for you. I'm not um, usually fussed on um, moving towards because I'm not sure. I mean, we're guessing we don't know who's going to be in it, uh, the shield, of, shield affiliation, but the characters that we've just mentioned, like Black Widow and Hawkeye, I don't, probably don't want them walking short towards people. Um, but if you get some big hitters in there, then it's potentially a good gap closer because it's a one one cost warpath that you can just use every time as, as, as opposed to using a uh, tactics card for it yeah and it's it's a bit of a climbing gear climbing gear in a way it's yeah. that anti-wakanda anti-push mechanic somebody pushes mm-hmm. you off an objective spend a power you just can walk back on the objective which and that is it's very tactical which is obviously in theme yeah very very good um the only other thing is on the grunts themselves they've got a shield operative special ability and this is that the character cannot secure objectives but it mm-hmm. does not have to pay power when interacting with civilian or asset tokens so that's going to be interesting because for the majority of secures this isn't going to be relevant and for the majority of extracts it is obviously something like um Research station, it's not going to be of any use. No. Um, but for for most others, it will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it is interesting um, because I think it does make them want to play that interact game. So uh, you find most affiliations, I think, side on the sense of I want to pick blues, I want to pick secures um, when you win priority, and you try and have extracts that will suit you if you need them, but I think most affiliations lean into the secures more. So it'd be quite nice to have an affiliation that goes, actually, I'm absolutely fine for you picking uh, secures, and I will take the extracts. So if you lose priority, you're probably going to still get what you want. Yeah, no, that's it's interesting because I feel like in the early stages of the game, it was more extract play heavy. You know, yeah. everybody, the likes of Angela coming out and just giving you those options. Web Warriors were very extract heavy at the time. I think you're right. The meta's probably shifted slightly to secure heavy, especially with mm-hmm. the Criminal Syndicate now the way they are. Black Order don't want high points value extracts. They often will go for something where, you know, it's two victory points and difficult yeah. to find. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I can see that. I think Spider-Foes probably want 
secures as well. So yeah, I think it will be good. Even like traditional ones like Web Warriors now would prefer the secure because it's a wider secure and the wider secure is going to stay there for the whole game. So once the extracts are picked up, you move to your secures and that's easier to manage when they're wide. And so even like what you would have probably called extract affiliations before have probably moved into the secures because people have realized once the extracts are picked up, you've still got four rounds of a game to play or five rounds of a game to play. So the skewers become a lot more uh, important. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's interesting how it shifted. I think it started secure when extract come back to secure and hopefully this will then lead us back into the extract world. Yeah. So overall, I think off, off the first viewing of the rules for them, they look great. I think knowing that they start on the board means that it doesn't allow Nick Fury to just you know, move forward, take a pistol shot, deploy them within three, they straight away pick something up. That doesn't happen. Does mean that they can double move, go pick something up straight away, and if they die, you don't really care because one, you can bring them back for two power. Um, it's not, it's not too much of an issue. And two, you still get to place that within two. So there is still quite a powerful turn one play there. Which yeah, kind of surprises me a little bit considering they were moving away from turn one plays. The latest wave seemed to be very much shutting down turn one plays. But we, we shall see how they perform when, when it comes to it. I think Mystique and Deception might start seeing a lot of people's lists. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I think that'll come back in and people pulling them in, etc. will will start to, to be seen again. You've still got to be careful because even if you pull them in, they're still going to place it so you can't pick it up straight away. You know, previously you would deception somebody in and then, um, beat them up and then take, take it, the extract off them. I don't yeah, think it's really easy to do. Probably the tactic is if you can pull somebody in and, and actually not, like, because if you can keep them away from Fury, I think you probably pull them in if you've got somebody with a throw, throw them back again. And then let them have the little four point, uh, four dice shots at you occasionally and just see whether you can keep them over the other side of the board and daze them when it suits you. Yeah, I mean, one throw is probably going to kill them anyway. They've got one defense and two health. So. <laughs> oh no, don't throw them at anybody or anything. Just throw them into a space further back. So keep on keeping them back away yeah. from Fury. No, I, I think it's interesting to see how they've done this. The general approach to grunts kind of gets my tick. I'm quite happy with the way they've done it. It'll be interesting to see. So other ones that we're aware of, as I mentioned before, are the ninjas with uh, Daredevil and Elektra. And we've also got Red Skull is coming along with his... There's rumours of Red Skull, yeah. Rumours of Red Skull and Hydra, potentially. I thought that had been confirmed somewhere, but perhaps I've... I know, I, I know it was mentioned by Rich of Rich Mid at some point, but I don't know if it was, I don't know if it's been confirmed from Atomic Mass Games. I feel like it has, but I might be wrong on that. Okay. It's difficult at times to remember what's rumours and what's fact. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I then started a, a Twitter conversation about what, what would other people like to see. And when you start going through it, there's a, there's a hell of a lot of options they've got there from aim lackeys all the way through to the, Dolomirage to all, all sorts of different ways you could do this. So Doom Bolt seemed to be um, a popular request. Yes. Yeah, um, I think Doom is probably the one that's been mentioned the most on Discord. Yes. 
Um, but then I think that's just because people want to see Doom in the Fantastic Four as much as Doom bots themselves. Yeah, true. So the other thing we wanted to talk about tonight was the latest monthly event at the Bearded Car Trader. So both myself and uh, went down there along with Sam from the club. It, it was a, a another good showing. We had Alan and the boys from Scotland came down once more, which was great. Boosted up the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think once more we got to, I think we hit 14 this time. Another great event, well organized, well run, as always. I think, you know, it's starting to become second nature to him now. We did have a slight issue with Longshanks, it being down for almost two days in the end. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, thankfully we were able to use old school pen and paper and as there were only 14 of us, it wasn't too complicated to work out who fit where. Yeah. So, um, we'll go through it then. So my first game was against Paul Campbell, um, one of the Scots who'd come down with Alan. And he was running Criminal Syndicate, which, of course, I know very well. We went with Struggle for the Cube and Demon Downtown. I think I picked Demon Downtown, because um, I think Paul got priority. Mm-hmm. Um and it was 19 threat. Uh, Paul has quite helpfully written a blog uh, post on the game. So um, if people want to go into it in uh, more detail, go and check out his blog post. It is the bovine overlord dot uh, wordpress dot com. So go check that out. Um, he's got a great blog on there with lots of different bits and pieces, and he often writes up his MCP events. So he's done a write-up for this event. As I say, he was running Criminal Syndicate. Uh, for this one, he was running Kingpin, Omega Red, Modoc, Crossbones, Beast. And he had All According to Plan, Brace for Impact, Carbonanium Synthesizer, which is a card that I never see get used. I must admit, I looked at it when it when I got Omega Red for the first time. I was like, mm, I can't see that happening much. Um, but he used it to really good effect. Climbing gear and field dressing. Mm-hmm. My team was uh, was running Midnight Suns, so I had Blade, Black Cat, Doctor Voodoo, Ghost Rider, and Moon Knight. Um, and then I picked a pretty standard one that I kind of pick quite often. So I had Bats the Ghost Hound, Med Pack, Patch Up, Siege of Darkness, and Climbing Gear. We deployed quite centrally, obviously, given what we were playing. I had Ghost Rider, Moon Knight. No, sorry. I had Ghost Rider, Black Cat, and Dr. Voodoo down the middle, with Blade on one side and Moon Knight on the other. And he deployed Modoc, Mega Red, and Beast down the middle, with Crossbones opposite Moon Knight, and Kingpin opposite Blade. First turn, as usual, moving in, um, the usual toing and froing. I changed my mind and essentially sent Black Cat out wide, and Moon Knight came back in. Blade went up and picked up his cube. He pushed Mega Red forward and Beast. Modoc stayed at the back just hovering. Uh, Kingpin and Crossbones just moved up and picked up their cubes. Not a lot happened there. <laughs> then Beast went absolutely crazy. I've never known Beast do so well as he did in this game. He just, everything he did, it just went brilliantly, basically. I'm a big, big advocate for Beast. I think he's a great three and he just gets overlooked a lot. But. He does, and I must admit, I I often say this, I, I ran him in the early days when they first came out, and I was playing Toms a lot, 
and he was running Hawkeye a lot, and literally every game Beast would move up, Hawkeye would shoot him with energy, uh, even with his rerolls on his defense, he just died. <laughs> so I've got probably an unfair view on Beast, in fairness. Yeah, when I guess when he's facing a team that's primarily mystic and not energy, he's probably not too bad. Well, my, my hopes were high for Ghost Rider with his energy attacks, but it didn't didn't pan out like that. Yeah, Beast managed to daze both Ghost Rider and Moon Knight, picking up the cubes. Then Black Cat moved around, staggered crossbones just to slow him up a little bit. There was a fair bit. Modok went up against Dr. Voodoo, and Dr. Voodoo held up extremely well against Modok, which was good. You know, having the keeping the Brother Daniel token on him meant that he had six defense, six mystic defense. Yeah. So Modok was kind of slightly shut down by that, um, which isn't often the way. Then that finished off with the score at 9-6 against me. Um, okay. Then I had priority, and I thought at this point I would get, hopefully, something back. Um, but of course he played all according to plan. Uh, <laughs> Beast then carried on his uh, damage by uh, throwing Blade into Black Cat. He managed to KO Moon Knight, get rid of him completely, and then I played Siege of Darkness. So Black Cat and Ghost Rider managed to daze Kingpin, Voodoo dazed Omega Red, Ghost Rider dazed Crossbones, um, and Modok just hung around at the back trying to daze Dr. Voodoo and failed miserably. That pulled it back to 11 all. Um, oh, nice. Black Cat then had, I think, two... Uh, cubes at that point, Blade had one, Black Cat was well out on, on the side. It was at this point that I started to make some, I, it, it was so close. All the way through this game, I thought, I haven't got a chance here. And yet I was still hanging in. Um, yeah. Having played Criminal Syndicate so long, I know they're, they're such a tough matchup. I wasn't expecting much. Kingpin failed to hurt Blade, but he did stagger him and he threw him off where he, where he was. Um, on the, the portal. Um, I used patch up to heal Black Cat because she was nearly dead. I think she was going to die from the cubes anyway. Nearly killed Beast, but I didn't. Beast then went after Black Cat but couldn't quite kill her. Uh, Voodoo threw everything at Crossbones but left him on a single wound. Um, mm-hmm. So he then threw him off the portal and KO'd Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider was a bit disappointing in this game. He didn't really do what I was hoping he would. I then, so this is where it went wrong. So I had Black Cat out on the side. My view here was that I wanted Black Cat to essentially pick up, there was a cube next to her, she could pick that cube up and run away. Yeah. And based on my math, that would have left us in a draw. Yeah. So the gamble was pass. I forgot that Omega Red was range four with his pull. I thought he was range three. Oh. Didn't think he could make it. Which yeah. is my own fault because I've played Omega Red for a long time. Yeah, so I was hoping that Omega Red would go down and try and deal with Blade. Mm-hmm. And then Black Cat could run on and jump onto an objective because she was one of the very few characters. I think it was literally her and Modok were the only two characters that were still on the healthy side. Yeah. So whilst Criminal Syndicate count as two, that's only on the healthy side. So mm-hmm. I thought even if he moved Omega Red down to capture the, the bottom objective. I could move her on. She'd still win it because she was healthy. Or if he stayed in the middle, I could move, you know, move him wherever. Unfortunately, like I say, 
he moved down, he pulled her in, and then it was close, but he just managed to date her, which meant she dropped the cubes, which meant I couldn't do anything about it. So it went to fifteen twelve. Yeah. It was a funny one. Like I say, had a runner away, there were a couple of things that could have happened down the bottom. It was a bit frustrating, but it is what it is. He's a great player. Um, it was a great game, really tactical. I was very surprised how close it was, as I say. I think I was expecting it to be much more... You know, I, I, considering Ghost Rider didn't do very well against Criminal Syndicate, I was expecting it to go terribly. But they hung in there, they did well, um, and it, it was a really great close game. Yeah, I think you always get a bit of a knot in your stomach when you come up against Criminal Syndicate when you get to the table and the opponent's got them because you're a bit like, how do I unlock this puzzle? <laughs> they are one of those affiliations when you just look at them and think, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do here. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think it's one of those ones where you sit there and you kind of go, I know what he's going to do. Yeah. But I still can't do anything about it. So yeah, I mean, he, he played his team tactics cards well. He... He did some of the predictable things. I knew he was going to play all according to plan, but it was just one of those ones where you kind of hope he doesn't. And that kind of meant that I had an opportunity to turn two to play Siege, but he, I think I would have only got two characters because I, I, I was always on the back foot. He was more yeah. aggressive than I ever played Criminal Syndicate, which mm-hmm. kind of caught me. I was expecting him more to, to play how more defensive, um, but he was quite attack-minded with it. And I kind of caught me off guard which meant i was often starting a turn with somebody dazed because he'd activated first i suppose it's a good way to play it in that even if you daze somebody to a point where you lose priority you can always keep it again you know he had priority turns one and two because he won the roll off turn three he was losing priority but he played all according to plan which gives you three turns of being able to be aggressive and it meant my siege was never quite as potent as I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. But like I say, Paul was a really good player. Um, and as you'll find out, did did rather well for the rest of it. Yeah. How, who was and how was your first game? Uh, so my first game was against uh, Sean. I am um, Sean Peterson. He's been, I think he goes down quite regularly to the beaded card of trade events. Um, and I actually played him the first time I went to an event there and we played a, a same matchup, uh, Air Force versus, um, Brotherhood. So I took Air Force, um, to this event. Uh, I couldn't decide on who I was going to take and I literally decided the night before. I think I was in our WhatsApp group, like still mulling it over the night before. And because I hadn't played for a while, I decided I was just going to take a list full of things that roll lots of dice at you and try and punch you into oblivion. And luckily, my first game uh, against Sean was a very similar list. So we basically um, played 19 threat. I can't remember what our extract was, um, but it was one of the 19 threat. I think it was a 19 threat. But we got got secures. Um, Sean in defense, prior- Anth. Just mm-hmm. just for the listeners' benefit, Anth didn't know at the time of playing his games that he would be talking about them on the podcast. No, so I didn't make any notes. I have reached out to Sean, but unfortunately he's not read my messages. Um, Hannah did fortunately get back to me, who was my second round opponent, so I did get some of this detail. Um, but I couldn't, I can't, for, for whatever reason, we didn't even register the game 
the extracts and skewers on long chunks like we normally would. I think we gave the score to JP and he just put it in um, and we didn't put the extracts in there. So um, we definitely ended up on Gamma. Uh, Sean picked blues, uh, skewers. I got to pick my, uh, well, we got the extracts and I got to pick the threat value and obviously being Air Force, I decided I'm just going to take a big bunch of brawlers and go down the middle and see what happens. And we just had an absolute whale of a time just punching each other like stupid amounts magneto throwing buildings left and right i can't really go through it round by round but by the end of it i could have probably got more points if i wanted i could have ended on 15 on the last round but i didn't want to be one of those guys who intentionally puts myself on 15 so i can potentially score 20 the next round uh so i just finished it off and uh Finished the game on 16. I think Sean finished on seven or something like that. And, uh, yeah, it was a minute. It was a really fun game. I played Sean, like I say, in the, in the tournament before. Super good opponent. He knows his brotherhood. He likes to run each of his models that he takes on a weekend. He doesn't like to leave anybody out, which I think is really cool. You know, you've built that roster of 10 and he wants to get everybody on the board. So sometimes he'll put out a maybe suboptimal roster. But he doesn't care because it's about the fun of it. Um, and I just thought that was really cool. Uh, and he's super hyped for Juggernaut coming out. So, yeah, it was a really good game. Excellent. So I had your round one opponent in round two. So I played Sean uh, in the next round. Um, oh, good. And as you mentioned, he um, likes to spread spread the love of his uh, roster, which often has some interesting effects. <laughs> yeah. So we played Fear Grips World um, and Demons Downtown. There's a running theme here. Lots of Demons <laughs> Downtown, which is great for me with Ghost Rider and Voodoo both being immune to Incinerate. Yes. Um, so to start off, I ended up with the same five as I had before. So Voodoo, Ghost Rider, Blade, Black Cat and Moon Knight. We had some interesting challenges with Terrain. Moon Knight was blue tacked to the side of a building because it had slanted, uh, disjointed building uh, roof, which was interesting. <laughs> so I had Voodoo out on the right, Ghost Rider Blade in the middle, Black uh, Moon Knight out on the left, and uh, Black Cat kind of loitering, depending on how things went. I wasn't sure where she was going. Moon Knight went up the left, picked up his extract, uh, picked up the hammer, sorry. Um, Mystique went up my right, picked up... Oh, sorry. He was running. It's probably a vital piece of information as well. Mystique, Modoc, Vision, Scarlet Witch, and Toad. So I was expecting him to be running Magneto. Uh, yes. I picked my list and tactics his card, assuming mm-hmm. he was running Magneto. And then he didn't run Magneto. And that kind of threw me. And then, as I said, we were talking about it. And he explained that, as you mentioned, he likes to spread it around, which is great. It just kind of threw me to start with so yeah. he played mystique's leadership um which was great and he didn't realize about her leadership there was something about her leadership that he, he was playing wrong to his detriment um so i explained how it all worked it meant that he was getting it i think he only thought you could do it on the first one um, okay so he thought it was a bit like the x-men one I think so, yeah. I might be remembering that wrong, but yeah. I remember having a conversation about it where we were like, no, actually, you can do that and that. And he was like, oh, right, well, um, that makes life even better. I do think it is an underrated leadership ability. I think quite often overlooked and everybody just goes with Magneto. 
I do think yeah. his leadership is good. I've got my friend um, Danny Clark, who I play with in Teesside, um, and he absolutely adores Mystique, and he runs pretty much Mystique leadership all of the time. He runs a wide list with Juggernaut in there on TTS, and it's pretty, it's a pretty good list. I like it. Yeah, no, no, it's a good one. So yeah, Moon Knight went up, um, Mystique came up uh, and took that one, then Toad came up on his that flank to try and threaten. Didn't really do much. Modok picked up his other hammer. Vision came into the middle and Scarlet, Scarlet Witch went off around the Mystique area, um, which I think was a mistake because that meant she was facing off against Voodoo and that did not end well for her. Uh, no. My team tactics cards, looking at the pictures, again, I think exactly the same apart from I had Highway to Hell on Ghost Rider instead of Climbing Gear because I was expecting Magneto and I thought I'll just pull him out of the way. Instead, I got Modok. And spoiler, I pulled Modoc all the way. Um, <laughs> so I, Sean pulled into a uh, slender lead going 4-3 up, uh, turn one. Then it was a bit of a strange one in that Blade came across with Voodoo. I think I managed to daze Mystique on that flank. Moon Knight then came in and started throwing crescents galore at everybody. And... That's where it got interesting. Mystique threw a building at Blade, a size 4 building, and dazed him. But I think he thought he had one of the hammers when he didn't. Um, it was uh, Dr. Voodoo who had the hammer. Okay. Uh, Vision was quite a pain in the middle. Um, he, he took quite a beating. Ghost Rider went up and took Modok into the corner, which uh, was interesting. Toad came and took the hammer... One, the interesting thing he did, he took the hammer off of Modok with Toad. Yeah. And then ran it off into the corner to keep that mm. victory point secure. Yeah, yeah. I think that was probably a mistake because I think with hammers, it's one of the few extracts you want to run away with. Most extracts I, you know, I can totally see running away, but with hammers, the benefit is not to run away. So Especially would, on Modok. Yeah, I would have left it on Modok and just shot. Blasted. Yeah. <laughs> I managed to pull ahead, uh, where are we? Six, seven. So I was, I was ahead by one in the next turn. And then I had a combination of some good luck, some Siege of Darkness. I killed Scarlet Witch. I killed Mystique. Modok was just away in the corner, dazed vision. Um, and then Toad was hidden in a corner somewhere else, at which point it was seven to 15. We played it out. It, it was a foregone conclusion at that point. Vision refused to die, and it ended up 21-8. to eight. Yeah. Really good game. As you say, Sean's been there a number of times, second or third time I've played Sean there. He, he does like to share it around, as you mentioned, which is always good. Gives it a bit of variety. He's not looking to go 3-0. and He's just looking to have some fun, which is, to be fair, the majority of the crowd at Bearded Car Trader. Um, yeah, definitely. What, what makes it so good going down to those events? Yeah, I think you ended up getting Vision because he didn't bring him in our game, which I think was a mistake. We discussed after the game, with it being on Gamma, I said to him, Vision, you, you, you should. I, I was surprised you didn't bring Vision, so I think you ended up getting him because he didn't play the round before. Fair enough. And he, he was second or third time I've played against Vision. And yeah, he's tough, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's always been tough, and obviously having the beam, uh, he's got a good throw. Uh, it's particularly good in Brotherhood with that throw. And you, you're put into central 
one down there and you can't move him. You can put him on the central object on Gamma and he just doesn't move. So, yeah, he's, he's hard to get rid of. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, that put me on one and one. You were obviously one and oh going into round two. How did your round two go? Uh, so, I, yeah, round two, I got to play Hannah, um, who does quite, um, a, I think she works at Bidu Card Trader, I believe. Um, yeah, or she, she yeah, I think she's just there, start, yeah. yeah, helps out there. She's started helping out there. But I'm, I've, I've seen some of her paintings on Facebook. She put some of the painting up on there. I think she did like a nice Iron Man painting on the side of one of the buildings, one of the brownstone buildings at, at Vigid Card Trader. And I've, she did an amazing, um, Midnight Suns looking roster, all black and gold, which is absolutely stunning. So she's an incredible painter. Uh, so I was quite excited to play her actually. We spoke at lunch before the round was drawn and, uh, uh, she seemed really nice and yeah we started off well we rolled for priority I got I think I lost the priority again but Hannah picked extracts I believe and I ended up pulling demons so we went demons and struggle for the cubes no not struggle for the cubes maybe alien ships one of the single extracts <laughs> um, and we ended up on 19 threat from demons and Hannah was running a guard, uh, as Guardians of the Galaxy list. So it was primarily Guardians of the Galaxy, but it had a couple of Asgardians in there for flavour. In this game particularly, she, I was expecting Guardians to come out, but she ended up going with uh, the Asgardians. Uh, yeah, confusing. So she went with Thor, Loki, Ronin and Angela. Uh, she was desperate to play Guardians of the Galaxy, but she thought they would be better on demons with Thor's leadership, being able to get rid of the incinerate. And it'd be yeah. quite a yeah, fighty one. Uh, and I went with She-Hulk, Angela, Domino and Scarlet Witch. So very much again, sm- Smash Brutal. Mouth list. Yeah, <laughs> Smash Mouth. I mean, my, my aim for the day was just punch and kill my way to victory if I could. And um, yeah, it started out a bit cagey, a bit tense. We'd both tried on occasion to get the single extract and failed, positioning ourselves around the demon portals. Trying, I think we ended up tie in the middle, uh, as often happens in the first round. We both held our own. Loki stayed at the back for her. And I, I did have Domino on my back one and I decided to risk it and I went for a last time on my last activation with Domino to pick up the the extract and I managed to get it. Uh, so despite losing my own back objective, I managed to get the extract, which obviously in those single extract games can make a big difference to the game. Uh, round two, um, I un- probably underestimated Thor a little bit. Um, you see him on the table so often and he just doesn't do what you want to do. And I clumped up a bit too much around the secures and Hannah rightly saw that I'd made that mistake and Thor came lumbering in to do his big area attack. And I can't remember how she did it or how it worked exactly, but she was rolling something like 11 dice into three of my characters each. Yeah, I heard um, about this, and, and it's quite an impressive uh, way to do it. I'm not sure what the combo was, but... It, yeah. yeah, I can't remember if it was off a card or something, but yeah, she was rolling 11 dice in the She-Hulk Scarlet Witch, and who else did I say I had? Angela. Uh, no, no, it wouldn't have been Angela. It was Domino, because Angela was quite far up. And um, yeah, I was at this point 
genuinely thinking I'd lost the game because I was thinking if this goes off, you're potentially dazing two of those and probably took a big chunk out of She-Hulk. Unfortunately for Hannah, Thor does what Thor does, and he absolutely whiffed every single roll. I think she barely did three damage between thir- off 33 dice. It was outrageous how bad the roll was for her. Um, and had it come off, I genuinely think she probably won the game. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't come off, and Thor was then in a position where I had three characters sat around him, ready to absolutely pummel him into the ground. Did she play Doom Prophecy? Is that how that, she got it? Yes, that's how she did it. She, yes, because obviously with that change in Asgard, I'd completely forgot that was going to be a thing. <laughs> um, Hannah hadn't seen the original errata around Doom Prophecy, where your your defense stays. Uh, you lose that physical defense for the game. Yeah. And because she, so she thought that would go away. And when that came to the next round, and I was like, oh no, you had no defense. I I just said, look, look, let's play it the way you had it in your head because I didn't want. She'd walked into that position with the card being one way in her head, and she might have had she known the she was going to lose her physical health for the entire rest of the game, she probably wouldn't have taken that decision. So I didn't want to punish her for that decision. Um, and we just played it like old school when yeah. it first came out. And because um, end of the day, like you say, beaded card trader is, it's not a super competitive event. It's a bunch of people who are learning the game and getting better at the game. But ultimately it's a lot more, it's it's less competitive nature to some of the other events we we go to. So when we travel to the Midlands, it's you. I mean, as has, as has been mentioned on this podcast before, when I was not here, and I went on four with X Men. <laughs> you can you cannot take a fluffy list to the Midlands. If you take a fluffy list to the Midlands, you will be annihilated. Um, but you you've got a bit more room for that, and you can have a bit more fun at the beaded card trader, which is great because we go to these other competitive events, and you do have to sometimes take those optimized lists. And this is not one of those events. You can just take a bunch of models and smash people in the face, and it's just super thematic and super fun. And that is exactly what this game was. Yeah, and I think just just as on that whole errata, I must admit, you know, years of playing AOS like yourself, you, the the thought of printing out like a list of FAQs and being on it, that that happened all the time. I only ever really think about the banned and restricted list. I must admit, I when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, I didn't realise Doom Prophecy had been errated. Because I'd always played it the new way, and I must yeah. admit, I'd completely forgotten that the card said the wrong way. But there's, it's one of those ones, there's not a lot out there that has been errated. So, yeah, and I think because we played on TTS... It maybe was changed on there. Uh, so Probably, yeah. Yeah, so we've obviously played on TTS a lot during lockdown, so we've just kind of got re- used to those rules. And when it's somebody who's picked up a box and just got that box out of, I can't yeah. remember what box it came in, that's the original print. So um, she knows for, for future games and future events. And um, I, yeah, it's I absolutely just... fine. Yeah, it was just that for the rest of the game, wasn't yeah. it? Which is quite... And I can see why it did with the original one, with the original Doomed Prophecy, when anybody could pick it up. It needed a bit more of a a negative side effect to it, shall we say, because it was super powerful. Um, even with the negative side effect, it was still a very popular card, and that's why it's been restricted to Asgard now. Yeah. So, 
yeah, you can see why it's for the rest of the game as opposed to just that turn. Because Absolutely, you could I do just... something like Thor throwing 11 dice at three people. Yeah. Just for for a new player or, or somebody who hasn't doesn't play regularly, I can understand why, like you say, that mistake would be made. And it was great of you to be able to just say, well, or just play on with those ones. Because it's, it's not like you could sit and go, well, should have checked the FAQ. Everybody knows to check the FAQ. There isn't really a lot of an FAQ to check. Yeah, and I think even if I was at a more competitive event, to be honest, it's just my nature of allowing some of those things to go. I mean, there was, when we get to the third game, there's something allowed to go probably to my detriment in the game. Um, it won't have decided the game, but I think it would have potentially changed a round or two. And it's up to you. You know, it's the way you play. Some people want to play win at all costs and not in a negative way that, that, that they're cheating or anything, but like they will pick you up on everything. And then there's other people who will let it go for the benefit of a shared experience with another person. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm just brought up now we're talking about the FAQ and there are, there's quite a bit of an FAQ, but I find it's more what I believe an FAQ should be, which is just clarifying things. Yeah. You know, I've seen in other systems, perhaps the FAQ, it doesn't, it kind of changes the game completely. The errata itself. Is, is relatively short. There's there's some bits in it, um, but nothing of major thing. Obviously now, obviously now all of those cards that have changed that came in original boxes have now been are now available to reprint for yourself, so you can go and print those out yeah. and have access to the correct wording on those cards. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that slightly took things to a side. Um, yeah. So having survived that attack, I was just slowly. Scoring with the extracts, I moved Domino back to the back objective where she could just, I mean, it didn't really matter too much, but it, it came in handy later on in the game where Hannah was activating using the leadership to remove the incinerate, but then I could still get that incinerate on with Domino, which then helped me daze Thor and later take Thor out. There was another big play towards the end where Hannah kind of just went all in. She just went for the glory. And if she pulled off this mega play, she probably would have won the game. Um, but it was one of those Hail Mary plays where you needed everything to align for you to be perfect. And unfortunately, it didn't go that way. And it just ended up being a really tight game. It finished 10-16 in the end uh, to myself. And I went 2-0, which is quite nice. I had five-game win streak with Air Force at this point. I'd be a card trader, so I was quite happy. And yeah... It was a, another great game. It's exactly the reason we go to Beaded Card Raider because everybody there is super friendly, super nice, and it's just a super relaxed atmosphere. Definitely recommend anybody listening in the Northeast get yourself over there once a month. Yep, even if you're not in the Northeast, come on up or down. Yeah, definitely. I mean, me, me and Martin come come down to the Midlands and Stockport, fair, there's plenty, so there's no excuse for you guys not to be coming up to us sometimes. Exactly. Right, so moving into round three, I played lee hamilton so and he was running a force um so i i got my my dose of she hulk and once again we played demons downtown and for the second game in a row it was paired with fear grips world so hammers and demons another classic matchup mm. this one was so lee was running she hulk oh, lee was running she hulk uh captain marvel koye Ghost Rider and Shuri, I believe. Whereas I played my same five once more. All three games managed to run the same five characters. It's interesting because it kind of, in a way, I felt 
like I should change it for that last game. But then I looked at it and I was like, I feel like this is the best one. And I, I'll talk about it at the end, but I feel like I kind of get caught into something that I don't want to be. So I am going to try and switch it up for future games. Um, actually looking, sorry, he was running Gamora. So it was Gamora, Ghost Rider, Captain Marvel, and She-Hulk. I'm sure nice. he had uh, Okoye in there somewhere. Yes, I think she's hidden behind a tree. <laughs> so moved up, Gamora went and got the right-hand one. He then played She-Hulk with Eyes on the Prize uh, and took the other hammer. So he had both uh, hammers on the flanks, but I managed to get the two demon portals and my back hammer with Ghost Rider. Then became a bit of a scrum in the middle, but I managed to get Dr. Voodoo down to the back demon portal. Okay. Uh, Moon Knight came in along with Blade to take the centre one. Black Cat held the back one. And I believe I again went with Ghost Rider to try and take She-Hulk out of the equation. Ghost Rider died pretty early on. Um, oh dear. He had... It, it was interesting. His first game, he wasn't great. His last game, he wasn't great. The middle game, he was great. Yeah, I've had enough of Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think people target him early if you don't have his card that allows you to come back to life. Um, yeah. But there's only so much you can realistically do as such with that. This is where I seem to have run out of photos. It, it was a super close game. Voodoo going and getting the back point was massive because essentially what happened was he was able to go get the back point. I think he threw Gamora away and I had just enough power to put Brother Daniel on She-Hulk. I activated last, which okay. meant that She-Hulk dropped her hammer, which he was able to pick up. I think he had enough power to do that as well. And she was no longer contesting that back objective. So it allowed me to take all three objectives. I think Black Cat had gone and stolen a hammer as well. It put me in a really strong position. Yeah. At that point, I was... It finished 16-12 on turn four. We we ran out of time, so we rushed through the end. Um, yeah. We worked out that... Lee had a chance if a couple of more things had gone his way, but like I say, it was me going in that, that swing turn, I think I'd used Siege as well, managed to daze in a number of his characters, Voodoo went to the back point, managed to get Brother Daniel off on She-Hulk, which kind of allowed me to get that big swing. He was he was ahead first two turns, slightly, and then that turn three, big swing, I think that kind of put, put him to that point where he couldn't, he just didn't have enough to pull it back. I think, like you say, had time gone on a bit longer, then maybe we would have been able to do a couple of different things. Um, but unfortunately, we ran out of time. Um, yeah. Another great game, Lee. I've played Lee multiple times on multiple systems. Another really good close game. I ended up 2-1. How did your last game go? Um, so, yeah, I got to play Paul, who you played in the first round with this criminal syndicate. When, before the round was drawn, obviously I knew there was three of us on 2-0, and and I didn't want Criminal Syndicate. That was the game that I didn't want. <laughs> um, but I don't... So I, my option would have been, I guess, because you'd already played, Paul, the only way it could have been would if, if I was playing you, and then Lee would have had to play Paul. It was just, uh, having played your Criminal Syndicate and having played quite a lot of Criminal Syndicate online, I do find they probably are my nemesis affiliation, I just get caught in two minds of how to deal with them all the time. I guess you probably just need to go all in on 
probably daze in a bunch of characters if he can, or go all in on killing Kingpin. And I've got that in my mind before we start the game. But then when we start the game, I I don't know. I you, things happen and you kind of forget what that first you know primary objective is, and you're playing the the extracts and the secures and yeah. So I I was a bit hesitant before we started playing. Um, we played 20 Threat and we played Alien Ship Crashes Downtown and Riot Sparks of the Extremists. Paul's team was Kingpin, Omega Red, Mordok, Black Cat and Black Dwarf. Just super tanky. Like, I mean, I, it's when he put that down, I looked at that and I was just like, Black Cat is the only one that's killable in that group. <laughs> um, unless I'm lucky. Cards, he took all according to plan. Brace for Impact. Carbonadian Synthesizer, Climbing Gear and Field Dressing. Uh, and I took She-Hulk, Angela, Black Cat, Enchantress, Koya. And uh, my cards were Battle Lust, uh, Blind Obsession, Follow Me, Medpack and Special Delivery, Air Force Affiliated Card. Basically, I made a big, st- big mistake on this game at the start in deployment. I deployed Enchantress next to She-Hulk, forgetting that Enchantress wasn't affiliated and she- I couldn't use special delivery with her. Um, and Angela was right over the other side of the board. So special delivery was out of the question for quite a while in the game, um, which means you're losing a free attack from She-Hulk, which can be quite a big deal as well. Uh, I also probably went far too wide on it. With it being a single extract again, I was hoping I'd pick it up on one side and I could dominate that side. Unfortunately, first activation of the game... Paul moved up with Omega Red on the right-hand side, and my She-Hulk was on the opposite side, so his left. He gr- and he just rolled what he needed to roll, picked it up, turn one, and I instantly thought this is going to be tough because now I've got to go right into the heart of this team and try and get that extract. So I did. I chucked up She-Hulk, um, chucked up Black Cat quite aggressively, knowing she'd get, hoping she'd get dazed that turn which to be fair like it was kind of a bit of a bait and I think Paul took that bait he did move in give her a bit of a pummel in but it did mean I knew I had an opportunity to then steal that from him in turn two and um, so it stayed quite close after turn one uh, the score was 4-2 to Paul uh, he was pretty comfortable because obviously he had that extract and uh, he was not doing too badly on his consoles uh, round two I did Managed to get forward with uh, Black Cat, pinch the power core from Mega Red, and disappear back up the other side of the board. But in that, during that time, I did lose Angela to to Black Dwarf, just absolutely smashing her with his massive axe. I think this was the round where Paul he forgot the rule where you can't pre-measure, um, and it was just totally an innocent uh, thing. He just forgot about it, and he'd pre-measured a couple of times and I'd let it go just because I didn't want to nitpick to be honest and but I could see it was kind of influencing the game because he was pre-measuring and then actually when he realised he couldn't reach an objective he was pulling the character back and I was a bit like do I say something do I not say something can I let it go for a little bit but then it got to a point where I was like look Paul I just just want to let you know like within the rules, you know, that would do the pre-measuring thing. And maybe if I'd 
said that at the start of that when it had happened things might have turned out a bit differently but you know he played his game well I don't think it yeah. ultimately I don't think it ultimately changed the the result of the game I think I made a much bigger mistake in the next turn that did change the game so it's always um, a difficult one isn't it there where you kind of you, you start to let something go and then at some point you know you've got to say something but then you kind of think well should I have not said it at the start for for people that are new to the game or not sure what we're talking about I'm assuming here you're talking about basically he's putting his measurements sticks down he's actually moving the model and then yes once he realizes that with the second move he can't make it he's moving back yeah so it was blocked off and it was quite a big base yeah so um i'd blocked him off from my home objective so he couldn't get to it because i had two characters there blackjack dwarf space couldn't get in there um and then he ended up moving black dwarf back at which point i said like just going forward yeah like this is the rule which was fine. We just carried on playing. But what had happened was because I'd said it after that interaction, I then moved a character later on uh, and he then moved Black Dwarf onto my back objective. So had I'd said it earlier, he would have, he would have moved Black Dwarf. He would have landed at my objective and gone, damn, I'm not actually on your objective. Yeah. And not scored a point. He's a bit in no man's land. And uh, what happens is because of King Pin's leadership, he, gets onto my back objective where I've got one character and he outscores me because he's healthy. So I lose my point, he gains that point. It's only one point in the end of the day and it probably doesn't change the game. Like I say, I think my mistake probably changes the game more. In turn three, I think we both have... He has Black Cat on my back objective dazed in turn three. I think she was dazed in turn two, actually. And I have my black cat on that back objective as well. And uh I stupidly moved a Koye back. To, uh She'd picked up the core after he'd managed to daze my black cat. And a Koye then moved back onto my back objective where his black cat was stood, forgetting the fact that black cat could then steal that objective from me because she hasn't activated yet, which he then did, stole the objective moved twice long back into his deployment zone and then grappling hooked and got as far out of dodge as humanly possible with that objective. And I was kicking myself so hard at this point. Uh, I couldn't believe I'd made such an absolute rookie error. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And it was a good, good drive. I would drive home for me. And I probably thought about that for the entire hour of the way home. Um, <laughs> But it always it happens is. on the last game as well, doesn't it? It's, yeah. a whole, it's always that last game where you're like, damn it, if only I... Yeah. yeah, it is one of those things. And I think if it if it had been, you know, if we were playing at a big event at Element and there was 128 players there and I'd have done that, I'd have beat myself up a whole lot more about it. But it was such a fun day anyway. It was not a big deal. Um, round four, we, you know, play through as you, through the objectives. It was just a bit of me trying, at this point, trying to get back to the core and get it back. Um, I did get up there, but it, unfortunately, it left a lot of my characters in a bad position. They were in a position where they're just going to get hit constantly. He had Mordok sat at the back of the board, firing stuff off at me. He'd moved Black Dwarf back there. I think Black Dwarf dazed enchantress black dwarf days enchantress and i think enchantress was my last chance to grab that objective um turn four ended up 12 11 and then turn five i still had a chance i think at the 
because I'd gained priority. So Enchantress was going to wake up, grab the objective, do one, <laughs> and I could have potentially still won the game because I was only a point behind. But um, as you mentioned, all according to plan came out of the bag and my Enchantress, uh, my priority disappeared. And with my priority disappearing, I think my Enchantress disappeared. And my chances of winning the game disappeared. So it was a great game. Uh, lovely guy, Paul. Definitely a deserved winner. Played really well. He knows his affiliation uh, really well. Um, and I look forward to playing him again um, and not making that mistake. <laughs> you know, you learn those, you learn from those things. And I, I definitely hope we I see him again at uh, Beaded Card Trader in the future. Excellent. Yeah. So as you kind of hinted there, that left Paul on 3-0. So... Because I managed to beat Lee, that stopped the um, potential of two people on 3-0, which was always good, because I don't think JB wanted to try and work out which of the two would have won based on pen and paper, because as we say, Longshanks was down at the time. So Paul finished 3-0, myself and and Sam, who who came with us, all finished 2-1, along with uh, Lee Hamilton, and then we, we had others that went... We, nobody went 0 and 3, which I found odd. I didn't. I never didn't notice that. Yeah, just how the n- numbers must have panned out. I thought somebody oh, had yeah. to have done, but yeah, because I think Sean was on 0 and 2 going into the last game, but obviously he must have won his game. So that's good. Everybody yep. got a win. Yep. So and it was a, it was a good um, variety of affiliations as well. Um, it feels like every month we go, there is one affiliation that seems to be. The flavor the of the month. Yeah, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy was definitely this month's flavor of the month. Yeah, I was going to bring Guardians, and I was glad I didn't, because I think I would have been the fifth Guardians player there. Uh, well, Hannah did play a game as Guardians as well. Yeah. Sorry, as Guardians, not Guardians. as Guardians. That yeah, is yeah. such a difficult one. <laughs> um, so that meant there were five Guardians players, and shout out to Sam for being the top Guardian player um, in only his second event. GG Sam. Indeed. But yeah, as mentioned, overall, another fantastic event. Slowly building the numbers up. It'll be great to hit that 16 at some point. But for now, we're slowly building those numbers up. It seems to be a nice turnover of people. Um, it's not the same people every time, which means that if we ever got that perfect point where everybody could make it, I'm sure we'd hit 20. Yeah, I definitely think that's possible. There's obviously the guys in Sunderland are starting to get big events and with, I'm trying to start build the, uh, local, uh, scene in the Teesside area as well. And, you know, all three of those places are travelable, uh, travelable between us all. Um, it's only an hour drive between all three places. So I definitely think between the three venues, we could be pushing 20 at each venue potentially. Which would be lovely if we could get that many regular events with 20 odd players. It would mean we don't have to drive to the Midlands every Absolutely. other weekend. Yep. <laughs> and uh, again, big shout out to the guys coming down from Scotland. I know it's a, a hefty drive. Myself and Tom are repaying the favour next month, and we're going up to one in Stirling, which is run by Alan. Which means, unfortunately, we won't be at the next Bearded Trader event because uh, we we signed up for that before I realised the dates of the Bearded Trader ones. Um, but yeah, it, it's good. With AOS, we had very strong links with the Scottish scene, um, and I think we'll we'll end up doing the same with MCP. So it's good for those guys to come down, and hopefully we can replicate it by taking a few up there every now and then. 
Yeah, definitely. It's definitely was. I've played Alan twice now, and he's a lovely guy, and I'd definitely love to come up. Um, unfortunately, due to work, I can only really get one Saturday a month off, and we'd already committed to um, Aaron's invitational event, so I can't make this one, but I definitely will look to get to one in the future. More Sunday events, people. That's what you're saying. More Sunday events. Yeah, Sunday events. My local, my local uh, Project Games, they have committed to Sunday events. Probably going to be the third Sunday of the month, um, and that does fill me with joy because that means I've got a guaranteed event once a month, uh, less than 15 minutes from now. So, yeah, brilliant. Perfect. Okay, well, thank you very much for coming in at slightly short notice, Anth. Um, it's been great having you on and hearing your insights into the game. I'll try and give you more notice next time, i.e. before the event. Yes, um, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> as you mentioned, uh, you and I are down in Birmingham um, early next month for... Yeah, a, 5th of February, yeah. 5th of February for a invitational from Aaron of uh, the Web Warrior Protocols website. Yeah. If you haven't been on there yet, go check it out. Awesome website. Lots of really interesting articles on there. That's webwarriorsprotocols.com, I believe. And uh, we're going to go down there on the 5th. And then, as I mentioned, myself and Thomas are going up to Sterling, um, to, I think it's something like Be My Vibranium Valentine is the name of the event that Alan's running, <laughs> um, up in Sterling. So, and then we've got, 20 people, I believe, now. So he's, he's extended it to a fourth round, which is brilliant. So that's going to be another great event, no doubt. That's it for February at the moment, but who knows what, what more can come. Oh, no. Well, I think I'll be dragging you down to the uh, Sunday one if it does get organised in time. So. Absolutely. I've, I've, I've promised him we'll hit a 12-12 if, uh, if he runs it in February. So. Ooh, February's not a good month for that promise, but we'll see what we can do. <laughs> um, as mentioned, I'm hoping to get the YouTube channel live um, in the next couple of weeks, so keep an eye out for that. I'll be putting all the podcasts on there, and hopefully a number of battle reports will be going up on there very soon. So thank you very much for listening, um, and until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>